to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All-Access. Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All-Access, or as we like to call it here in the building, welcome to the desert. (laughs) I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, alongside the creator of that particular name, the desert, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, would you like to tell the people why it is now the desert. Well, I wrote my daily brew on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app on this subject, and I called the piece The Break. I wasn't going to call it The Desert. It sounds negative. <laughs> and the negativity of it, it's not even negative. The guys need a break, right? Yeah. The coaches need a break. Everybody the players does. need a break. You have a long season ahead of you. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's a long haul. 17 games yeah. plus the preseason. We all know it. Yep. So I call it the desert because for us as a content team, and let's face it, it's all about us. Right. More specifically, it's all about me. But the desert means we don't really interview anybody during this time between now and training camp. Maybe a couple here and there. But Lovey Smith is going away for a bit. Nick's going to take some time. We talked to him about that ourselves. Yep. And we store up. Now I'm going to go mixed metaphor on you. Acorns for the winter, but it's not the winter. What are you storing up in the desert? Camel, uh, you know, water, Water. the hump? I don't know. Uh, We're getting some storage here of content. You and I interviewed 25 players the other day. We had numerous content pieces created on Monday. We've got a lot of great stuff that we have yet to air. We have interviews with former players. We've got all sorts of great stuff, Texans, legends. So I call it the desert because we're living through it as a content team. And I think the fans too, Johnny, you don't get a ton of NFL news between now it and goes training dry. camp. Yeah, Basically, it goes dry, it goes dry yeah. for the most part. What you don't want over the desert, the break, is any of your team's news breaking. That's a good point. You don't want any – you no. want to hear your team's name at all. No news is good news. Popping up on the social media, yep. pop, popping up wherever you get your news. If you hear, oh, the text – okay, then that's not great <laughs> news. Just listen. Every key member of the team that needs to be re-signed has signed an extension. and That's the only positive thing that can happen. If your team gets brought up, then uh-oh. So you want it to be dry – for the team, try for us, but we got plenty of content uh, for you. We're going to hear from Pep Hamilton a little bit later. He had a chance to, well, he caught up with Drew. Drew would say he caught up with Pep, but I think Pep actually caught up with Drew. I would like to hear heard that interview flipped where Pep was actually interviewing uh, Drew Doherty, but we're going to talk about Pep in a little bit. But we also had a chance to catch up with wide receivers coach Ben McDaniels. And, of course, we wanted to know how it was going. It was a great experience. It, uh, it always is in the springtime. Um, really great to spend as much time as we did in the meeting room and uh, and just pushing ourselves mentally in there and then uh, get out here and get some real uh, real valuable experience on the field together as, as players and coaches. And uh, uh, my group always brings great great focus and energy and and effort to practice and on the field so it was a really productive uh, spring coach what does a guy like brandon cooks mean not only to you as a coach but also to your wide receiver um i mean 
the, the list is long, really, honestly. Yeah, the list is long. Um, he's a uh, he's a pro in all the ways that that we always hope uh, as coaches. Um, great uh, great mindset. Uh, very intentional about how he goes about his job, both in the building and on the practice field. And I think every guy uh, in the receiver room recognizes that, and uh, and and hopefully tries to take pieces of that for their own. Ben McDaniel's with us. Ben, for the receivers, how is this year's offense different than last year's? Um, I mean, it's it's different. Uh, obviously, you change over uh, systems, um, so um, it's di- it's different in plenty of ways. Um, you know, uh, you know, terminology and and uh, when you change over a system, there's plenty of things that mentally you gotta you gotta get wired. Um, you know, and they've they've done a good job of, of attacking that challenge. Um, but really, every off season you try and tweak and, and change, and um, and that's part of every off season. But uh, this year, uh, for sure, uh, is some is some different pieces, parts in the system. Man, everybody, it's important to have this off season. For a guy like Nico Collins, who didn't play in 2020, been as a rookie last year. Now he goes into his first true off-season year. How important was the off-season for Nico, and what was the progress you saw from Nico? This it, was, it was huge. Yeah, it was huge. Um, all, all your points are valid. Um, so just really any reps that, that we can take, uh, either in the meeting room or on the practice field, have extreme value um, to really everybody, you know, uh, to Nico, uh, to the other guys in that room, to us as coaches. So um, I think, uh, you know, he was he – was, uh, he was healthy and, and uh, had had great effort and, and intention about what he was trying to get done this offseason, uh, growing in every way, both mentally and physically. How about Philip Dorsett? He looks very active out there, making a contribution. Did last year until the injury. How's he progressing? Um, happy for Philip. Um, you know, he's he's attacked the offseason um, in the weight room and in the meeting room and out here on the practice field. And um, he's really, uh, you know, he's – to be honest with you, he's like a lot of the guys in the receiver room right now that had had a good off season, uh, you know, uh, both physically and mentally, and, um, and had a really valuable valuable spring for for himself and us. Ben, you've coached young guys in college. You've coached seasoned vets, a guy like Brandon Cooks we talked about earlier. How does the approach change in coaching college and younger receivers as opposed to guys in the NFL, guys that have been around for a little bit, guys that have families and are or grown men, if you will. How do I approach the difference yes. in the in the two? Um, you know, I, I think I try and understand who they are as a person. I think that's our job as coaches, um, in you know, at any level, is understand uh, the players that you're coaching, what's important to them, um, what's important to them, both from a football standpoint and an outside of football standpoint, so you can connect and and earn their respect uh, in in a lot of different ways. Um, so I don't really think that part of it changes um, how old you are. Um, and then the, the football part, um, I just I try to do my best to challenge the players, both mentally and physically, to grow their game. Uh, that's, a, that's a broad statement, and it means a little bit different, you know, uh, depending on how old you are and what you've learned uh, at that, that point in your career. But I'm trying to grow, you know, cookie just, just as much as I'm trying to go, uh, grow the rookie that walks into the building. Ben, what about the rookie, John Mechie, and how you coach him while he's on the way back from injury? You know, we see him out here, but he's not able to do everything just yet. How do you approach that? Mm-hmm. Just find as many uh, 
as many different ways to really attack the mental side, to be honest. Um, you know, he's putting a lot of uh, time and effort into uh, his rehab, and, and when he's healthy, he's healthy. Uh, but we spend as much time as we possibly can um, in various ways, you know, stretching his, his mental ability and, and making sure he grasps the system along the way, even though he's not getting those physical reps on the field. What's your advice to the young guys going into, for some of them, their first break? Mark calls it the desert because there's really nothing going on. It's dry, especially for us. But what do you advise them on before they come back for training camp? Yeah, we don't talk a lot about staying in shape because the truth is, like, they, they know that. It's a, it's a year-round stay-in-shape uh, kind of job. Um, and they, you know, um, I, I trust them to be professional that way. Uh, to me, uh, you know, uh, we're all going to turn football off a little bit in the summertime. Um, I think that I think that it's okay for all of us to love football and, and, uh, and love the little bit of time that we have in the summer to spend with our family and friends and um, kind of recharge a little bit. So everybody's going to turn football off a little bit, but I just tell them uh, let's make sure we turn football on too. Okay, Let's just not turn it off and, and show back up in, in the end of July. Let's make sure we turn it on. Uh, you know, really mentally as much as anything um, throughout the throughout the break and uh, no steps back when we get back. What do you like to do? Play golf, eat, skydive? What is it, Ben? <laughs> uh, so I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a one-year-old. So all the things that you're talking about have have no affiliation with my life at all. Uh, familiar. Most of my, yeah, most of my time. Uh, I really love uh, spending uh, as much time with my kids and um, you know, we'll we'll spend some time around the pool, whether it's my own or whether it's somebody else's, because uh, of how awesome it is to live in Houston. Um, we'll take a break and, and head down to my favorite spot in Florida uh, for for a little time in July. But other than that, um, you know, spend time with the family and friends. Ben, thanks a lot. Have a great break. You got it. You guys too. Mark, I've thought a lot about this wide receiver crew, and I I watch coaches coach, and that was why I asked the question: when you have players that are professionals that seemingly have heard it all or know it all. A guy like Brandon Cooks. I think the best player to have on your team is a player that is that good and yet still that coachable. And that's why I asked that of Ben because how much coaching do you actually do? Well, the thing is, the great ones actually Mm -hmm. want that coaching. I can see Brandon looking to Ben like looking for tips and pointers and things, whereas there are guys like, no, no, man, I'm good. I got it. Those are the guys you just don't want. But you see a guy like Brandon Cooks, he's the ultimate because he wants to be coached every single day, and Ben McDaniels is definitely the guy to do that. Well, Cooks is one of those guys. I think Dorsett is mini Cooks yes, in that I agree. respect. He's been around not as long as Cooks, but it's not like it hasn't been a bit here. Yeah, he's been around a bit. Uh, and he has seen some things. He worked with Andre Johnson before he got drafted. Yeah. Played with Andre for the Colts, which still makes me want to throw up in my mouth that Andre Johnson was a Colt even for a brief amount of time. Uh, But I like Dorsett on this team. I think the presence of Dorsett and Cooks can really help. And I've said it from the beginning of OTAs after what I saw last year. I think Dorsett can help this football team. I I can't wait to see Mechie. We all can't wait to see Mechie. But Mechie's not available just yet. So we just have to wait. We want to see Nico in year two. The group has some potential here. When you look at it on paper, when the outsiders are looking, it's like, eh, I don't know, you know, right. when teams are loaded at wide receiver. I get it. But Cooks is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, period. The other guys have to rise to the occasion. Dorsett has good ability to help this squad. And, Johnny, I wanted to ask you about this. Can I bring this up now? Of course you can. Okay. 
we don't normally talk about formations and things like that at practice, but they were in a two-minute situation today where they needed yeah. a field goal to win, right? Right. And with the ones, at one point, and I know they're not going to mind me saying this, they took out all the top receivers, if right, you will, right, and right. they put in a second group and maybe right. even a third group in some depending on how you want to look at it, and the groups are going to change. I get it. Sure. But they took out Cooks and Dorsett, and they put a put some of the other guys in there right. with Mills and with the starting O-line and said, go to work, try to get the field goal done, try to get into field goal range right. at the very least. And they did a nice job. Yeah. They did a nice job for Davis, and I thought that was interesting. If you're a guy like Ben McDaniels, that's your group. All the layers, you want to see them do well. They get that opportunity to be out there with Mills. They took advantage of it. It's such a good thing. And yet, I'm sure that Ben McDaniels walks back to his office and going, yeah, my guys look good today. Like, you feel good about it, but then you're like, i got to cut some of these guys. How do oh, we do that's this? That's got to be brutal. That, and we've been around enough teams to know there's always a guy or so in your group that you know, okay, that, we know that dude's he's getting cut. We know it's going to happen, but you watch these receivers, and it's pretty similar to the running backs. And, of course, the running backs have been running on air, so I get it. But you just watch the running backs do good things every single day, and you watch the receivers. I'm waiting for a receiver to have the drops one day. I'm waiting for a receiver to not run the right route, to not make the right read mm-hmm. repeatedly. You just don't, I just don't see that. Even Mechie. Like, I watch Mechie at times just during practice, like, He's not working out. He's doing a workout before practice starts. But he's right there with the drills. He's right there with the receivers. He's always slapping fives with guys that are coming off the field after making big catches. He's always involved in it. I said this to you the other day. When we had those interviews, 25 guys came in, and some of them are new. Some of them are actually new to us, even though they were maybe here last year. And I would look at you at some point when they leave and go, I get it. I get why the Texans went out and signed that guy or drafted yeah. that guy. And I totally see it with Mechie, even though we haven't had a chance to sit down with him in the studio. But just watching him at practice, you get it. You see the things that, that were talked about that were assets of his at Alabama and how much a professional he was, even at Alabama, the fact that he kind of had – he knew how to he knew how to go about his daily routine. He knew how to be a good teammate. He did the little things. He ran routes really well. But you just see that as him just being a teammate, too, shaking hands, you know, fist bumping, dapping up guys as they go. But I've seen, I mean, yesterday Chris Moore made a tremendous catch in the end zone. I've seen Chris Moore make a number of plays. I've always been a Chris Moore fan. I think he, like last year, could find a way to impact this team. Chris Conley had a deep ball. Man, it was nice. It was sitting in a cover, two, And a rookie that we all love kind of got caught with his eyes in the backfield a little bit. I think Conley was reading him. I think Chris was reading him. If he had if he had dropped, I think he would have darted underneath on a dig route. But if he sat low, he was going to hit it and go. And he and Davis were on the same page. And Davis just launched one, and it was beautiful. Um, the receivers have all really done well. And when they went down in the red zone the last couple of days, those guys have made plays. They made sliding catches. They made catches in the back of the end zone. Uh, Nico has had a couple of back shoulder balls that he caught six inches off the turf. That receiver crew, yes, the names nationally people may not know. Other than Brandon. Okay, Brandon Cooks. Well, we know Brandon Cooks. He's been other players. We get it. But the Nico Collins, uh, and people know Mechie because he's been with Alabama, but Nico Collins, Chris Moore, Chris Connolly, those guys that last year made plays at times are continuing to make plays. Uh, and that's been really fun to see. 
It has been fun. Johnny, you brought up cuts, and it's way too early to talk about this, but yeah. I think the number is interesting because with the practice squad expanded, yeah. all right, you have 53 plus 16 right there. Not right. that all 16 are coming from your squad. Right, right, right. But I think guys that are practice squad likely – on this team, for lack of a better way of putting it, and I'm not going to name who they are. The coaches know, and sure. Nick knows more than I do about that. But those guys have a good chance to catch on to somebody else's practice squad right. in all likelihood as well. Uh, but you're already up to 69 players right there right. that you can have in the building. Plus, you'll have four or five on IR. Yep. Now you're into the 70s. Right. you got 90 guys here. So look how many guys aren't going to make. It's still you know a significant number. It's 15 to 20 players that you're going to – Never see again. Well, I shouldn't put it that way, but you're not going to see, you know, come September 1st or come opening day. But some of those guys will be on sort of an unofficial taxi couch squad where they might be on their couch. They're staying in shape and they can come back and help you or they're going to help another team or whatever. So it's not the end of the world necessarily if you're in that group. But it is tough. It is tough to make these decisions and get it down to 53. You just have so much more flexibility with the new practice squad rules since COVID. And I love those. I love just letting guys stay around. You just never know when that's going to turn into something. Obviously, a guy like Arian Foster, we – we know about uh, over the years but you just never know who is going to get that opportunity to be on a practice squad one of the more famous ones is James Harrison I mean James Harrison just stuck around on practice squads he kept getting cut kept getting weighed but he'd stay in the practice squad and then all of a sudden he finally got a shot on special teams and then he turned into Debo he became the most feared edge rusher in the game fighting through practice squads so you just never know where it's going to start but I think the one thing as to your point Mark this is your squad like, this this is it. This These is guys it. are going to be around for the mm-hmm. most part. You kind of detailed it very, very well. Some guys are going to get injured. Yeah, there might be, you know, a trade here or there. You know, last year there were a few more trades. I don't know if I could see that. I could see those trades last year making sense because you could look out there and go, okay, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. This is – these guys, there are a few that just don't want to be here. Like, we get it. Those guys are probably going to get moved, and they got moved. I don't see that this year. I absolutely don't see that this year. So, could there be a trade? Sure. Could somebody offer you four first-round picks for, I don't know, one of your players? Maybe. I doubt it. But it's not going to happen. So, point being, this is your squad. This is what you have. And that's good news for a guy like Ben McDaniels with that receiver crew. Now, could Danny Amendola come out of the woodwork again? It would be fun. <laughs> I, would, I would like to see because the way Danny finished last year, man, if he caught back on and did that same thing to start oh, yeah. 2022, my goodness – but I like the group that Ben's got at wide receiver. And I know that Pep Hamilton has got to love that group at wide receiver as well. And Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with the Texans' offensive coordinator. Texans' offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton joins us for Drew's Dozen. It's good to be with you first. I like the smile. Let's rank the peps by getting things going. <laughs> Pep Hamilton, Pep Rallies, Pep Bands, Pep Boys, and Pep in Your Step. What's the ranking? You know what? Funny enough, when I was in high school one summer, I worked at Pep Boys. So right at the top the of that stories list. that go from that, huh? Hey, and, you know, I worked at the customer service desk back in the uh, parts section, and folks would come in, you know, hey, welcome to Pep Boys. My name is Pep. You got some looks. <laughs> they didn't believe it. My name had t- tag had Pep on it as well. So where do, they, where, where do you rank? Where do they rank? What's what's the rankings? How does it shake out? Uh, Pep Boys number one. Okay. I, I forgot the others. Pep rallies, Pep talks. Pep bands and you. Oh, pep bands or pep in your step. Oh, six. yeah, good. There we go. Pepping your step, uh-huh. and and probably yeah, pep bands. 
So working at Pet Boys in customer service, what's the most random car part that you can name right now? Man, that's tough. You know, I uh, cars have changed a lot since uh, since way back when. But I, I don't know. You know, back then, everything, uh, I don't know if they still have timing belts on cars or not. I, I knew it was pretty much the death penalty if your timing belt went out on your car. <laughs> Are you a car guy? I'm not. No. So I know you're a bike guy. You ride a bicycle around. Well, how did that all start? Well, when we worked at uh, Stanford, we lived on campus. Coincidentally, kids' school, grocery store, mall, everything was on campus. Uh, we decided we didn't need to uh, worry about riding around campus in the car, and so uh, we invested in a bike, and uh, that bike is uh, still a great resource considering that it's a 10-minute walk from our offices over here to the practice field. Not 10 minutes on a bike, though. Uh, not at all. What's the main accessory that you made sure this bike had? Oh, you saw the baskets. Yeah, the baskets. The baskets could fit groceries. Now, you know, that's where I house my cleats, my whistle, clipboard, all the above to get ready for practice. I do like your cleats. You've always had cool cleats, and if we could pan down and show these, can you describe them? <laughs> wow. Yeah, just, you know, at times as coaches, we decide to try and demonstrate, so we want to make sure we're prepared and, and have the right footwear to demonstrate drops, throws, routes, all the above. But see, when I think coaches and I think coaches' cleats, I think like 1970s spot belts. And those are not 1970s spot. Those are awesome. Yeah, well, no, I never wore spot belts. More of a up-to-date cleat guy. Very necessary for us as coaches. Very necessary. Doesn't have the spot belts. Doesn't have the butterfly collar polo. Doesn't have the high bike shorts, like bike bike shorts, not the bicycle shorts. Yeah, yeah, not quite. What are your thoughts on dudes wearing those short shorts at practices over the last five or six years? Hadn't paid attention to it. No thoughts on that. No thoughts on that. It's good. Because, I mean, everybody notices and everybody asks about it. But, okay, Perfect Pizza has what on it? All veggies. No all meat? Not at all. No meat. Always been that way for you? I wouldn't say always, but, you know, as uh, I become more seasoned, trying to stay away from the things that take a little while to process. Okay. So in that vein, guacamole, salsa, or queso? Uh, guacamole. Lactose intolerant, no queso. Oh, I'm sorry. I, that's horrible. I I feel like a jerk for bringing that up. Okay, so what is your go-to dish that you cook? Wow, I, I don't know if I have a go-to that I cook. You let somebody else handle that? Well, thank goodness I have a, a great wife, and she, she handles that. Yeah, and what, handles it well. What's her go-to dish that you love the most? I would say any of the many seafood dishes that she'll make. My wife is from Maryland, so the blue crab is somewhat of her specialty. Crabs and lacrosse. They said it wrong in the movie Wedding Crashers. They said crabs and football is what we do in Maryland. It's crabs and lacrosse. So, yeah, she's got one part of that right. (laughs) For sure. Pep Hamilton, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Best of luck this season. Thank you. I know you talked about during practice, OTAs, minicamps, whatever. You love the team stuff. I love the team stuff, too. I've gotten to where I like watching. They put it up on the board. They call it split, where the defense goes to one field and the offense goes to the other. And I go to the restroom. And that's a mistake (laughs) because I'm watching the offense do things and go, never seen that here. Oh, so they're they're working on air and they're trying to – they're working on design, scheme. Absolutely. Okay. And there are some things I look at and go, hmm, have not seen that here. And I'm talking since I've been here in 2000 – since 2007. Boy, that's different. Okay. Make a note of that. Make a mental note of that. Now, 
there are a lot of things you end up working, whether it's high school, college, pro, where you work in the spring and you're just experimenting with things and you're trying to see how it feels for you as a coach. Do I like this? Do I not? Can I experiment with this? You're always drawing things in the back of napkins. But I'm watching this offense. I'm thinking, hmm, boy, Peps, this, this is – it's different. Now, I'm not going to go into where and how it's different, but it's different, and I like that. And I almost feel like on a daily basis – I feel like Pep is maybe not the mad scientist, but I look over there and the wheels are always turning about how to take a play and tweak it just a little bit. And tweaking it just a little bit, it gives a whole different look. And I think that's the key. It was always the key for me. Could I find a wrinkle? Could I find something just a little different off of something we did that would make it look completely strange and foreign to a defense, yet – it was just one little tweak that made it easy for us, and I feel like Pep is doing part of that in, in I almost call it training camp, in OTAs and minicamp. Well, there's clearly a difference, and this is an offense that worked really well with the Colts back when he ran things there. 2014 yep. was a terrific year for the Colts uh, offensively. They went to the AFC Championship game. He was the coordinator. 13, that Hasselbeck didn't go as well. I think when Pep went to Cleveland to be quarterback's coach, that probably hurt things a little bit because it's Cleveland at the time and they're right. not going to win a lot of games. And, you know, then he went to the college ranks and right. uh, did the XFL thing, right? Right. Uh, it's great to have him back where he belongs coordinating an offense and maybe he belongs as a head coach at some point. Yep. Um, and I hope, you know, you hope he's super successful, but if he is, somebody's going to try to take him away from us. I know. And I but you want... know what? Luxury problems. Let's see what happens here. Man, the other piece of this passing game, we talked about the receivers and we talked about the running backs. We talked about all of the tight ends. In particular, one young guy that Drew Doherty and I are excited about. We'll go in the lab next right here on Texans All Access. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Hurry in to Mattress Firm's July 4th sale. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase up to a $499 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America. In stock for immediate delivery with a low price guarantee. And get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. What does it mean to be the energy behind the Houston Texans? At Reliant, it means powering NRG Stadium and homes of Texans fans across our hometown. And helping out when needed most. As an electricity provider, it's our commitment to every customer and their family. And it's as strong as our Texas roots. It's our promise today and for generations to come. Reliant, proud to be the official energy provider of the Houston Texans. PUCT number 10007. Texas Children's Hospital is proud to be the official children's hospital of the Houston Texans and local sponsor of Play 60. Getting kids moving for just 60 minutes a day can improve bone health, fitness, brain function, attention, and academic performance. Join us in our commitment to the Houston Texans and Play 60. Because at Texas Children's Hospital, everything we do is to ensure your family's future is a healthier one. Texans Radio. The Drive continues. Welcome in, everybody, to Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Glad to be with you, and it's time 
for our In the Lab podcast. And on this one, Drew Dory and I talked a little bit about Brevin Jordan et al. Talked a lot about the passing game. We focused a bit on the athletic gifts of the second-year tight end from out of Las Vegas. I am encouraged by sort of the trajectory of what we're seeing from this team. And I'm really excited about the youth on this team. Not necessarily the rookies. I am excited about them, but the second-year youth. Yeah. And what's going on. Second-year youth, if you want to call it that, on the coaching staff. Lovey Smith is now the head coach. Yep. Pep Hamilton's the OC, and I can't stop being enthused and excited about what Pep Hamilton is going to do. And um, I got a chance to catch up with Brevin Jordan, who I think is going to be – he and his position group going to be the kind of the focus of what we're going to discuss yep. a bit today. But Brevin Jordan, he's got personality and then some. But he's also got an interesting skill set that I think the Texans are looking to utilize in tandem with Pharaoh Brown, in tandem with some of the other guys, Antonio Claire and uh, Tegan Quatoriano, whenever he gets gets out there. But the, the tight ends are going to be important. Brevin Jordan going to be an interesting aspect of all that, isn't he? Absolutely. And I think there are a couple things to think about with Brevin as far as I look at it. Number one, the athleticism has always been there. I don't yep. think there's any question. Going Dating back to his days at Gorman. And I remember seeing him at Gorman going, whoa, that dude, that's a dude. And Gorman's a high school in Las Vegas. That's right. And it's one of the best high school football facilities you're going to find, football factories, I should say, that you're going to find. So he went to the University of Miami, had an idea about him, and then watched him earlier. Like, man, this guy's really, really good. I think he needed the first half of his NFL career to kind of step back and take a look and go, okay, this is what it takes to be a pro. Right. He's playing a really difficult position at tight end. I mean, you got to block and uh, – you're blocking some big dudes, some grown men. You got to block them. Then you got to worry about your route combinations, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot going on. So when he got on the field, when he finally got comfortable and got his confidence, he caught 20 passes over the last eight, nine games. I don't know if he was fully healthy uh, at some point. I think his hand or something had been hurt. So he didn't play all those nine games or get a ton of snaps, but he showed what he could do. I think the Chargers game was a great example. I watched that game the other day, and you just saw when he got the ball, he knew what to do. He got upfield, and it was a, it was a different looking guy. Mm-hmm. So he was he was fun to watch. Watching him at OTAs, I think you see a lot of the same things. You see in that athleticism, but you just see him more comfortable. And here's the other one: is Davis Mills isn't always going to find that receiver down the field, running the dig, running the the sail route. There's always going to be an outlet. Brevin might be that outlet a lot of the times. Uh, a lot of the time, and he might be that guy down on the goal line that he goes to that finds that little nook and cranny, and Davis can fire it in there. And for a second-year quarterback, I think the the best thing to have is kind of his his whoopie, you know, his reliable blanket, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, and that can be your running backs, that can be your pass-catching tight ends, and Brevin fits into that category. And you think about it, just you know, doing some simple math here, he catches three to four passes a game. Let's say one of those is a one of those is a check down, one of those happens to be a, a scheduled route. Maybe catch another check down. He's going to catch more. Right. But three to four game or three or four game over 17 games is anywhere between 51 to 68. Would you take that for a second year tight end? Absolutely. Sure would. Because he's going to take a few of those. And this is the thing that stood out to me against the Chargers. Once he got the football in his hands, it wasn't just, okay, I caught the football. Yay. It was, I got the football. Now let's let the fun start. He'll make some moves and he can and get, get some extra, extra some yardage. Things. Which. Yes. When Pharaoh Brown gets ahead of steam, yes. he punishes people. He takes yep. six, seven, eight, nine guys with him sometimes when he's been able to do that. It's going to be – they need that. They, the Texans need that from this Absolutely. offense to free things up for the run game and for the other guys catching the ball. And what's key to that – it may sound weird, 
to Farrah Brown catching more passes is the offensive line because Farrah Brown was used a lot of times as a sixth offensive lineman yeah. last year yeah. because the offensive line was missing Laramie Tunsil, was missing Marcus Cannon. And although Charlie Heck did a decent job over right tackle, uh, I thought last year there was there were you know, holes in the dam, if you will, and Farrah was used a lot of times to try and close the holes as opposed to these five guys can handle it. Yeah. Let Farrell get out on routes and catch the football and be athletic and do those things. We saw that in week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the, the one-handed catch down the middle was incredible. Tight ends are asked to do so much. He was asked to do a lot of a pass blocking last year such that Tyrod and Davis could get the ball off. Mm-hmm. Just get the ball off. But if those five guys are handling business up front this year and that allows Farrell to check, hey, no leakage, I can get out on a route, he can end up being that outlet guy too. And so now you've got a couple of reliable athletic dudes with the ball in their hands after the catch. And that gets that gets kind of exciting, and they can end up both being uh, red zone uh, weapons, third down weapons, and they can be problems for linebackers or safeties having to cover them in the pass game. And something we've heard about Pep Hamilton and his offense is he looks at what the strengths of all his players are and tries to accentuate those right. and feed those strengths. So perhaps some of that comes into play yeah. with what, Hamilton has designing this offense and the plays and stuff that, that he draws up. Well, I think from from Brevin's standpoint, there's there's a lot you can do. If you go back and watch the film from last year, but you can see it in OTAs, you see Brevin. And Brevin told us draft that he said, I want to be a three-down tight end. Well, to be a three-down tight end in this league, you're not going to be able to line up next to Emory, Emory Tunsil on one side or Titus Howard the whole time. You're going to be next to one-on-one play. Yeah. You're going to be maybe at fullback the next play. Split you might be wide a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. so slot. You're, yeah. You're, you have to do all those different things, and Brevin's got the athletic ability to be able to do all of that and line up in a lot of spots. And because you can do that, there's going to be a time where, hey, I'm matched up. You know, guys are out there kind of, you know, it's basketball. Hey, I got him, I got him, I got him. You know, I got Cooks, I got Collins. Hey, oh, here's um, here's Mechie when he's healthy. Here's Philip Dorsett, and all of a sudden, number nine's going – Y'all going to leave that linebacker on me? I'm going to take him. I'm going to take his lunch money. I'm going to do it often until you guys get wise enough to the fact that you don't want to leave a linebacker on Brevin Jordan. So, from that standpoint, I think it's pretty exciting what, what he can do in the past game, what Farrow can do in the past game. I, and then we really haven't had a chance to see Tegan uh, Quatoriano yet. Right. And I don't know that Tegan is watching him as a young dude or you know as a guy at Oregon State in the past game. I was like, okay, he's got some things to clean up on. I played a lot of basketball growing up, so you can see he's got some of that. Um, he's got that agility. Yeah. He's athletic he's got dude. Some footwork. He's going to pound people at the line of scrimmage. Hopefully, that's hopefully mm-hmm. that's going to be his job. And all these tight ends end up playing a particular role. Anthony O'Claire as well. Jordan can be that X factor. And as they were going through practice on Tuesday, as I'm watching, I'm thinking, and Brevin caught maybe two or three passes where he was not the primary guy. He was maybe third read. He was kind of out swinging out wide. He was on a flat route. You know, he's maybe gone to the flat, and then things broke down a little bit, so he had to work himself open or find an open zone. Davis found him as the third or fourth read. Doesn't matter. It's still a reception, right? It's still positive yardage. Doesn't matter whether you're the key receiver or you're the third receiver or whatever it is, just as long as you catch the football and do something with it after the catch, and hopefully that's what uh, these guys can all end up doing, having their particular role in this offense. So, as it happens on In the Lab from time to time, it turned into story time. And the Sopranos were a big part of the story. So, back in 2007. Which we, is the year that it ended. The year that it ended. That 
fall, I started radio at a local station here with our buddy Sean Pendergast. Yep. So the first week of the show, we were trying to think all these different. We were the fourth radio, fourth sports show, sports radio uh, station in the city. We got to think of something. We got to be unique. We got it. So we were trying. We were just brainstorming all these different ideas. And so our good friend David Nuno uh-huh. was like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm trying to schedule some interviews for you guys." And we were just kind of bounce all these different ideas. And Sean and I are, are children of the '80s and like you know '80s movie stars. So we actually ended up getting an interview with Corey Haim that that Nuno booked. And any book does Willie Ames from Eight is enough. <laughs> and so we're like, "This is awesome." Right. Well, then about 45 minutes later, and it was me, Sean, and it wasn't quite Lance Zerlon at that time. Lance was coming over, um, but we had to do the legal thing. So, anyways, it was the two of us, and Nuno came back in about 45 minutes. Like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, dude. guys. I messed up. But that's not Willie Ames. It's enough. And he goes, uh, I got to cancel the interview. And I was like, wait, leave it. And well, I said, I looked at Sean. I said, we need to ask him questions like he's Willie Ames from It's Enough and just see how long we can go with this guy. And Drew, I'm telling you, it's it was the fourth. Does it exist? Like, does it, you oh, still yeah. have this? I want, yeah, Tyler I Miller, who produces uh, Clinton Show in the afternoon, just listened to it. In fact, that's what brought it up the other day. Is it somewhere on YouTube or what? I don't know. I don't know. I have to get it. I need it. this, please. It's hilarious. And yeah. he was like the perfect foil. But we kind of like it's our fourth day in radio, right? <laughs> so we would ask him questions. He like, I think you got the wrong Willie Ames, and then we're like. But you're into music, right? Because, you know, the real Willie Ames was into music. He's like, yeah, 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 Willie Ames, my band. And then it was like we'd go right back to – like we'd <laughs> let him go and then we'd pull him back in. So, anyways, I'm going somewhere with Sopranos with us. So, we do this interview and it's hilarious. At one point – we didn't know how long he was going to go. He ended up staying with us for like five minutes or, right. or maybe more. So, we're dying laughing. We, just, we think it's funny. We know not a lot of people are listening because our signal is terrible. Yeah. And so our producer comes over our headphones and said, Hey, there's a guy named Joe Ganiscoli on the phone. Vito Spatafore. And I look over and I see Sean and his eyes light up. Now I had not watched the Sopranos at this point. Yeah. And Sean looks at me and goes, said that. He goes, That's Vito. I said, What are you talking about? He goes, That's Vito's from the Sopranos. I said, That's not I, I said, Sean, come on. Huh. That's not Joe Ganiscoli. He goes, He pushed the button, he says, Kyle, is he goes, this guy swears that he's Joe Ganiscoli. Like, it's and, and that's Kyle a goes, random sounds thing to, like, to, to claim. Yeah. Know? So, like, okay, keep him there. We just messed with Willie Ames. If this is a fake Joe Ganiscoli, we'll You'll mess around him. with him too. It's the real Joe Ganiscoli. Joe's a big Giants fan, New York Giants. So, Joe had been in Houston for a cigar convention, uh-huh. and he was coming down. He was one of the featured. Um, guests or whatever of, of the event and he just happened to turn it on and he heard our interview uh with willie ames he thought it was hilarious and he just was calling in to tell us to tell us that to tell us that that interview was just incredible and so we struck up this conversation with joe ganiscoli we started talking about the sopranos awesome. like fourth day of radio so we're watching the first season and he makes a cameo yeah he's a different in character. the pastry yeah, yeah in yeah. the pastry shop uh-huh, uh-huh. and so I point. I pause it like that's Joe, uh-huh. and Jack looks at me like, "What? That's Joe Ganiscolian." And I told him the same story <laughs> I told you, and Jack just thought it was hilarious. I said he comes back later. Oh yeah, like he comes back as a different character a big, later. Big way. But he called our he just called our show randomly, and Sean was 
I had seen The Sopranos. Once I saw The Sopranos, you know, you, you realize why that was such a yeah, big deal. Yeah, and I knew it was a big deal. Some dude that was on The Sopranos is listening to our show. We're, like I said, four days into radio, and he's calling <laughs> in to tell us what a great interview we did, this faux interview with the fake Willie Ames. And so anybody that will see us out and about, if Sean and I are together, like, dude, I love that Willie Ames interview and the Joe Gattascoli. I, so, I need to hear this, please. Like, cause this was... It, was, it was really good. It was, it was hilarious. We just started asking him all the things about you know, at one point I asked him, so who was the hottest Bradford sister? Was it Susan? <laughs> and he's just like, guys, you got the wrong Willie Ames. This is Willie Ames that plays in some plays a banjo. And, a, and, my, my, and then he started giving out his – if I remember right, he gave out his MySpace page. That's point. how old it was? Yes. It was – yeah, it was 2007. So, yeah, people were – I guess that point were giving out the MySpace page. I got to see if I can get that. Sean, I think, has it. Um, I thought I used to have it on an old computer, but – it was hilarious. It was just the things that come up in radio that you like, what? I love it. This guy's call like it was it was odd. We you know, it's, when it's you're that early in your radio career, I mean, you don't really have expectations. You so, were willing to try it. Yeah, might I as mean, well. Yeah, there might as no well pressure. Like, the, the day we went live, we heard that the antenna blew up. So we're like, there might be ten people listening. Right. So what the hell, let's push the boundaries. We knew we could talk sports anytime. But let's spice it up with with Willie Ames. And it definitely did get spicy for the fake Willie Ames. Yeah, great story. I will one day put that up on Twitter, that full interview. It's a classic, to say the least. All right, we're going to go around the NFL next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. What destinations are on your financial checklist? A new home? A new savings account? Whatever it may be, TDECU offers better ways to save and do more with your money. Join TDECU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. What if your preferred hospital could also be your primary care provider? At Houston Methodist, we go beyond hospital care, offering you everything from flu shots to well woman exams to managing your weight and cholesterol. And our primary care doctors and specialists are connected all across the city. So whatever the need, wherever you live, we can be there for you. Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. Lead. We return to Texans All Access. we got one final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you on this Wednesday evening. Let's go around the league and start in Pittsburgh, PA. Steelers. Reached an agreement with safety Minka Fitzpatrick on a four-year contract extension worth more than $73.6 million with more than $36 million guaranteed. That's rich for a safety. How rich? The deal makes Fitzpatrick the league's highest paid safety. He absolutely deserves it. And I bring this up first. Because one of the rumors that I had heard, yeah, I don't know, a year ago, maybe, year and a half ago, maybe, was that in a Laramie Tunsil trade, it originally was Laramie Tunsil and Mika Fitzpatrick that the Texans wanted coming here. That would have been absolutely fantastic. But uh, it didn't happen. Mika Fitzpatrick ends up going to Pittsburgh, and Mika Fitzpatrick is now a really rich safety. Now, Staying with the safety theme and going a little north of here, but staying in our own division, the Indianapolis Colts, I don't know if this was a surprise, kind of, 
I'm assuming it had to be in some sense, just the finality of it. But starting safety, Kari Willis, third-year safety, played three years in the league, has retired. Yes, retired. The Colts did draft Nick Cross, safety out of Maryland, third round. They're very excited about them. I watched um, the Colts uh, kind of building the Texans version, whatever that was. I can't remember what they call it, with the first pick, I think. And they really like Nick Nick Cross, the athlete. They're very excited to see him there. But Kari Willis is a blow to that defense. This guy's been around. He's seen some things, made some plays for that defense. He apparently has joined the ministry. So much luck to Kari Willis. I liked him as a player. I didn't like seeing him on a Colts because he was a pretty solid player. But now he's gone. Best of luck to Kari Willis. And we'll go down to New Orleans for this last one. New Orleans Saints pass rusher Marcus Davenport revealed to reporters on Wednesday he had to have the top of his left pinky amputated this offseason. Ouch. My goodness. Big year for Davenport and the Saints over in New Orleans. All right, that'll do it for the show. A big thanks to Ben McDaniels, Pep Hamilton, to Drew Doherty, to Mark Vandermeer, Chris Santiago. It's all you for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. You can feel it right now. You can hear it. It's all around you. It's the air we share. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Where we work, where we play, and where we grow. Because at Daikin, nothing is more important than perfecting the air we share. Daikin is a proud sponsor of the Houston Texans, and we're hiring. Visit DaikinLovesHouston.com.